Hey brother! Fall is finally here, so obviously there's a new Frozen trailer, I guess. But whatever, I'm not complaining because every time they release a new Frozen trailer, I am convinced this is gonna be like the most beautiful movie ever. Are you seeing her jump down these pillars right now? Like, oh, it's so cool. I feel like I need to high five somebody. Bob, where are you? Oh, there you are. High five! Yeah, I'm right. Anyway, we have been deep diving as far as possible into the world of Norwegian culture and mythology to try and decipher as much as we can about this trailer. And the conclusion I think we have arrived at is that Elsa is far more than just the Queen of Arendelle. That Elsa is in fact the one true queen of everything. Guys, before we dive into things, if you'd like to come see Frozen 2 with me and Ben, we are having a meetup in Salt Lake City on November 23rd, links to which are in the description down below. You can come see the movie, do a Q&A, take some pictures, do a meet and greet. It is going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see you there. Okay, so the trailer opens with some much desired backstory on the four runestones and the enchanted forest they are apparently guarding. We learn that it is indeed a magic forest and that Elsa and Anna's father went there as a child. And we even get a good look at him as he watches the wind blow past and lift up the girl we met in the first trailer. He tells us it's a magical place, but something went wrong and now nobody can enter or leave, which feels like the most intentionally ambiguous sentence ever. Ever. Like, I know you're a king, dude, but I'm giving you a total F on bedtime stories. Once upon a time, something went wrong. Then it was fixed, and they lived happily ever after. The end. Love you guys. Good night. Sleep tight. Also, that thing that went wrong, it is totally not fixed. It is very much still a problem, but we don't go there, so don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Except that we might have been the cause of it. <laughs> Regardless, though, Anna's standards are super low, and she loves this story. Wow. Papa, that was epic. Which, by the way, I'm just gonna say, I don't feel like epic is a word that she would either know or use. Either way, this something wrong seems to be responsible for the mist obscuring the stones that Elsa is singularly capable of parting. At least that's what the folks trapped on the other side of the mist seem to think. Impossible. And speaking of the other side of the mist, we do finally get something of an introduction to the people who are trapped there. They appear to be divided into two separate camps of people who, for lack of better terms at the moment, I'm just going to call the swords and the staffs. Let's start with the swords. They are led by this guy, Lieutenant Matthias, and invite a whole host of questions. Like, why are they all bearing the crest of Arendelle? And how long have they all been there? Well, my guess is that they've been stuck there since the king visited visited the forest as a little boy. It's hard to tell in the few brief looks you get at them in the trailer, but Disney did also release a few high-def images alongside the trailer, and when you zoom in, you can really see the overall wear and tear on the clothes. Like, he's pretty ragged. So yeah, I think they've been there a while. Like years. And given their overall loyalty to Arendelle, you can actually hear them say, protect Arendelle at any cost at one point. Protect Arendelle at all costs. In combination with the crests they are wearing and their overall skill with sword and shield, I have to think these guys are probably royal guards of some sort. And since we saw the king there as a little boy, it would make sense if some royal guards were there as well, probably protecting his father, the king before him. On the other side of things, we have the staffs, who we actually have a name for. They are known as the Northuldra. 
stuff. And they, I don't think, are trapped in the woods. I mean, well, I don't think they could leave if they wanted to, but I don't think they want to. I think they are the natives of the forest. You get to see some of their dwellings, and they seem very down-to-earth, kind of like very permanent teepees. And overall, they just seem way less technologically advanced, by which I mean they are fighting people who have metal swords and shields with wooden staffs. With alarming success, I might add. Like, I don't know what kind of wood this is, but like, what kind of wood is this? The real reason I don't think they've had to resort to swords or anything though is because their actual source of power is magic, or else their relationship with the forest and its many magical aspects. The best example we get of this is this little girl who looks to be playing with the wind. You think she had to like introduce herself to the wind first? Hi wind, nice to meet you. This is my friend Bob. Okay, fine, Mr. Bob. He gives really good high fives, look. It's hard to say if this girl is controlling the wind or just interacting with it, but I kind of think it's the latter based on the reaction both sides have to the fact that Elsa can use magic. Where did you learn magic? Boy, they phrase that question just about as ambiguously as the king tells bedtime stories. Like, are you surprised she can do magic because normally only people from the forest can do magic? Or are you surprised she can do magic because like, yeah, sure, magic exists, but like, people can't do magic. To further complicate things, this isn't even one of the options the oh-so-wise trolls offer the king in Frozen 1. Born with the powers or cursed. Which kind of seems like a weird question if you can just learn magic. Oh, hey, you can read? When did you learn? Oh, you were cursed with it. That's convenient. It is, but now Twitter's kind of a bummer. Either way, it suggests that Elsa is definitely, definitely, probably, probably unique in some way. Not just because she can do magic, but also the kind of magic she's doing. Wind, fire, and earth all seem about as common as the breeze in this forest, but so far we haven't seen anyone else doing ice magic. I mean, yes, I guess there is the knock, but it's hard to say if that's like water magic or just some whole separate entity altogether. But so here's where things get fun, because as a when a new Frozen trailer drops, I find myself neck deep in Norwegian culture and mythology. Or should I say, knock deep. Eh? Eh? Mm? Yep, that's why you guys are all here, right? For all the Norse mythology puns. Mm -hmm. Or should I say, horse mythology puns? What? Anyway, as is the custom when researching Norwegian culture, I have been astounded by the results. Like, when I watch the trailer and see a bunch of swords and think to myself, Hmm, I wonder if there are any famous Norwegian swords I should know about. I'm not really expecting to get a very good answer. And I can tell you I super, super didn't expect to find three super famous giant 30-foot swords, the Sphere de Fell, which I got positive I said wrong. These three swords represent the Norwegian king, King Fairhair, who defeated and unified two other minor forces. And also, probably, you gotta assume, had great hair. And like, not for nothing, but does that not sound like perfect for this trailer so far? Like you have two minor forces at odds and in comes a monarch to create peace who, might I add, also has really great hair? I agree, it almost sounded too perfect. But don't worry, don't worry, because we found something that fit even more perfectly, if you can believe it. Allow me to introduce you to the War of the Asir and the Vanir. If you are not familiar with these two groups, because 
Why would you be? The Aesir and the Vanir are essentially two different groups of gods who are very famous in Norse mythology. You have probably heard of some of them though. For context, the most famous Aesir god is a guy named Thor. Perhaps you know him? Tall guy, not that good looking. But in Norse mythology, these two groups are fascinating, especially when you dive into their descriptions and battle styles. The Aesir fought by the rules of plain combat with weapons and brute force, while the Vanir use subtler means of magic. Now, we don't have a ton to go on here, but we also don't have nothing. I mean, throughout the trailer, we see tons of examples of each of these styles of battle. I mean, the swords are obviously using brute strength and regular force, whereas the staffs are using what looks like much more subtle kinds of magic. As the story goes, though, these two groups waged war upon each other for years and years and years, with each side gaining the upper hand and then losing it and then getting it and then losing it before eventually, finally deciding to call a truce. And I think we are actually seeing that truce happen when Paw Patrol is showing Elsa some of his little sky magic, like the two parties are shaking hands on a bridge. But if we go back to the mythology, we get a little more information about how this treaty actually worked. That in order to maintain peace, each side agreed to send hostages to live amongst the people of the other side. Now, hostage might be too severe a term for a Disney movie, but just the idea of sending some of your people to live amongst the other people would explain why there are royal guards living in the forest and why we see a group of the Northulger arriving in Arendelle. More specific to the story though, I think we are going to see this play out in the form of Anna and Elsa's parents meeting. We see the young king visiting the forest and I'm fairly certain the little girl playing with the wind is none other than the queen herself. And I think the young king is part of the party sent to the forest to bring her back to Arendelle, which is why we see her carrying the little reindeer back through the gates. Now, if you're confused, don't worry. It is actually pretty simple. Once upon a time, you had two parties who were at war, but who eventually decided to call a truce. Then each side sent some people to go live amongst the other people, where the young girl from the woods goes on to marry the young king in the castle. Then they have two daughters, fittingly one magic and one not, but either way, making both Elsa and Anna the actual literal physical bridge of peace between the two tribes. Where it will get really interesting though is in the history of Anna and Elsa's mother and her family's position within the North Uldra tribe. Like obviously the king was pretty royal because he became the king and Elsa became the queen of Arendelle after him. Meaning that the swords in the forest should be loyal to her right out of the gate. But who were the queen's parents? Because if they happened to be the leader of the Northuldra, then Elsa could rightfully be their queen as well. A birthright she clearly plans to claim with her dragon or Ice Lizard. With that in mind though, we do get introduced to the current leadership of the North Uldra tribe, this woman named Yelana. She is described as being fiercely protective of her family and community, but is known to soften when people show an understanding of nature and their environment. More importantly though, she is significantly older than anyone else we are meeting in the forest. She has some bright hair to match Elsa's and a similar signature braid. Hmm? Grandma, anyone? Because if so, it also makes Elsa the queen of everyone in the Enchanted Forest as well. And as the special unique one who can do magic, she'll also likely have to be the one who fixes whatever the something wrong from the story was earlier. That is how Elsa and Anna's parents will have met. 
and why Elsa herself has powers at all, because she is the living bridge between these two powerful groups of people. Ben, my question for you and everyone else is, what do you think? Is Elsa the one true queen? And do you think this is going to be an actual villain in this movie, or is it going to be more about overcoming some sort of natural imbalance in the world? Let me know your thoughts in the towel section down below. Don't forget, if you want to come see Frozen 2 with me and Ben and hang out and take some pictures afterwards, we are having a meet and greet in Salt Lake City on November 23rd. Tickets are still available. Link is in the description down below. Guys, thanks as always for watching today's video. Please leave a like on it if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future frozen action from us if you want to see how elsa is the last icebender you can check out this video right here or if you want to see the runes on the stones deciphered you can check out this video right here but ben that's all i've got for you today man i will see you in another life brother